I've really, um, I guess, enjoyed listening about the um, medication overuse headaches, which I guess leads me on to my next question. Um, because at the moment, like you were saying, migraine is indeed one of the leading causes of disabilities and many patients do live with migraine. How do you go about managing these patients when there's no cure? And I guess some patients, they do take a lot of medication and as a result, start getting the medication overuse headaches. Um, how would you speak to, I guess, these type of patients um, about their medication use? That's a great question again, James. Uh, the, the, this was a topic that I addressed uh, in depth uh, for the Migraine World Summit a uh, few weeks back, uh, which is still available if you Google Migraine World Summit uh, under my name. I'm not sure whether it is available for free now. Uh, and I talk uh, on this issue for about half an hour. Half an hour. So the 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 theme was uh, uh, the why there is no cure for migraine as such. I think the, my response to this is uh, uh, the two ways. Uh, I myself uh, do suffer from migraine, so the the way that I look at migraine is uh, it's a human condition, and uh, the we are the one who do get uh, this uh, particular disorder. And the, the way that I wanted to find a cure is uh, having the best possible control of uh, symptoms uh, uh, so that uh, your life uh, or the, your joy of human life uh, is uh, not impacted uh, by this uh, uh, significant uh, disorder. Uh, in other words, uh, the, 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 the approach to this is uh, educating your patients as best as possible that migraine is a disorder where you have uh, intermittent uh, chemical and electrical changes happening in your brain, contributing to the symptoms uh, that are driving you towards significant uh, disability, that we can change to significant ability and minimize the disabling days uh, to almost uh, negligible uh, the, the, the amount. So to do that, uh, first, is uh, you need to get your patients on board. Uh, normally, I tell my patient that uh, if I were to be your main physician who is helping you to control this headache disorder, you do need to know about headache disorders uh, just as the same amount as uh, I would know about them. That doesn't mean that they need to write research papers or review papers for journals or uh, anything like that. Uh, that what does mean? What it means is. Uh, understanding significant amount of knowledge on what is driving their headache disorder and what is driving some of their symptoms and how we can tackle those symptoms. So the, the, that's the first part. So it is very important to get your patients on board and get them involved in the care that they are receiving from you as the treating physician. So the more you get them involved, more success that you can bring to them. That's the first thing. Second thing is uh, making the correct diagnosis. Uh, even today, every week, uh, I would see two or three patients in Melbourne, which is one of the most livable cities in the world, uh, which is uh, one of the cities with uh, probably highest amount of neurologists per capita human population compared to most other parts of the world, with uh, 14 uh, very well-run neurology departments in public system. Despite all those things, uh, I still see uh, 
anything from three to five new patients uh, who had been suffering from chronic migraine and medication overuse headache for one or both or one for years, uh, sometimes up to 20, 30 years, uh, not knowing the diagnosis even. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a pathetic situation. But we are, the, 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 we, are, we, we are not alone. Mayo Clinic uh, catchment area, David Dudik, Dodik and group, uh, they published a paper a few years back, uh, basically saying that people with chronic migraine, only 4.5% uh, would get a proper diagnosis of their condition as chronic migraine, and two simple advisors uh, to manage their acute symptoms and prevention. So in other words, 95% of the Mayo Clinic catchment area would not get uh, a diagnosis even. So that's the sort of a dilemma that we have. The, there are reasons uh, behind that uh, also. So the, 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 we can talk about that uh, in, in a different time or, or a different question. So the, the, the second issue is then giving them a proper diagnosis and uh, the, the educating them on what to do with the acute attacks uh, and when to use uh, preventative treatment and what to use uh, when we use uh, preventative treatment. Third thing is uh, there are a whole lot of uh, non-pharmacological things uh, that uh, we, we, we can tell our patients or educate them or get them on board uh, that are quite helpful to reduce uh, the headache days uh, that uh, they get per month. Say for an example, I normally run or walk uh, 45 minutes to one hour most days. Uh, the, if I don't do that for three, four days, uh, I do get a lot more headaches uh, than what I normally get. So the, the, if I change my uh, the, the caffeine intake or food intake or water intake or sleep hours uh, abruptly, they contribute to lot more headaches than what you would uh, normally get. So there are a whole lot of lifestyle uh, issues uh, that uh, we have to inbuilt. Uh, say for an example, uh, there is a research paper coming from Headache Journal a few years back. Uh, that's the American Headache Society official journal. What the paper suggests is that uh, if you have uh, migraine, if you walk for 40 to 45 minutes uh, for at least five days per week for six months, uh, your headache day reduction per six months was just as good as uh, you taking topiramate, uh, one of the migraine preventative medications, uh, 200 milligram daily. So the, 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 the catch is, uh, I have well over 1,000 chronic migraine patients in my book, uh, in my practice. Uh, I think uh, only one or two patients can tolerate topiramate uh, dose up to 200 milligram. That causes side effects. Uh, so they email you, they ring you saying that, uh, uh, the, the medication uh, cannot be tolerated. Whereas walking, uh, at least in Melbourne, is uh, almost uh, free from side effects unless you happen to be in the wrong place, wrong time, and extremely unlucky. So the chances are you uh, getting harmed uh, during a 45 minutes walk uh, is, uh, is almost uh, negligible. So the, the, these are only few things that I mentioned. Uh, so that's, uh, that's the third thing. Using non-pharmacological interventions uh, in prevention. Fourth thing is uh, there are a whole lot of uh, nutraceuticals uh, that are quite helpful for migraine prevention, things such as uh, high-strength magnesium, uh, riboflavin, vitamin B2, feverfew, butterber, coenzyme Q10. Uh, they all have at least one research paper or two research papers supporting their use uh, in migraine prevention. Then there are about uh, 
17 prescription medications that are available for migraine prevention also. Uh, the, but the, all these things, uh, you need to use the correct uh, medication individualized to the patient. Uh, say, for an example, if a particular patient is uh, already significantly overweight, uh, you would not go and select a medication that would uh, contribute to weight gain. On the other hand, uh, if a particular patient is already suffering from anxiety and depression on treatment, you wouldn't choose a migraine preventative medication that has a side effect of generating depression. So the, 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 so the other key thing is uh, using appropriate uh, medications uh, for prevention. Fourth, the, the fifth thing is uh, the, the, given that uh, we still haven't conquered uh, in these uh, areas, uh, continue to ask questions and continue to do extra research uh, to see whether we can improve the future uh, better care for these patients better than what it is now. We have very good treatment now, but we can find even better treatment also. To, to, to summarize, basically, I think educating, educating your patients uh, is very important. Uh, getting them on board uh, is very important. Uh, correct diagnosis is important. Uh, using appropriate uh, acute medications uh, and using appropriate preventative medication uh, is uh, also important. Uh, not all patients need preventative medications. Uh, Say for an example, uh, in my case, uh, as my migraine attacks are few and far between, there's absolutely no use for me to use a preventative medication. So my strategy would be to uh, get rid of my acute attack as fast as possible with the best approach uh, that would work for me at that particular time. So uh, the, the, the particular issue with medication overuse headache uh, is uh, what I wanted the students, uh, colleagues to know is uh, Medication overuse headache uh, is not a problem of uh, being a drug addict or, or addiction. This is far from it. Uh, every time when I wanted to take uh, neurofin or paracetamol two days in a row, I hate it. Uh, I walk up to my drug uh, cabinet or the, 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 where so the, the medications are with, uh, uh, not with a lot of joy or happiness. Uh, I just uh, take them because I wanted to get rid of uh, my symptoms. Uh, and almost all migraine patients are the same. So it is uh, important for you to teach them that uh, the, you are not using these acute medications uh, repeatedly out of joy or just because you like them. We know that you are taking them to get rid of your headaches. But the problem of uh, migraine and medication overuse uh, headache is, uh, medication overuse here is for uh, migraine-specific uh, medications such as uh, triptans uh, or analgesics, uh, any analgesics for that matter. Uh, codeine and morphine-based analgesics are the worst. Uh, and uh, when you take those medications more than two days per week, uh, that means more than eight days per month or more than 10 days per month, uh, you basically change your electrical activity and chemical activity of the brain to generate more headache uh, out of those medications. So the analogy that I use uh, to share with them is this. Uh, I tell them that, uh, imagine that your house is on fire. Imagine that you call triple zero and you get a fire brigade uh, on board and they bring 10 bowsers uh, with uh, water. That's like uh, you take uh, your medications two days per week to get to that eight, 10 day mark. But from 11th bowser onwards, uh, the fire brigade now bring gasoline and pour gasoline into your house, which is already on fire. What would happen to the house that is on fire? 
it would get destroyed. So they get the message. So you you try your very best to uh, educate them as best as possible and and get them on board. It's very much similar to uh, the, the 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 how we spend our teenage days. We we hate to listen to our mom and dad. We didn't think that they are cool. We didn't think that they knew what they were talking about. But every time when they were successful on getting us to do things uh, so that uh, we know that oh he is oh, my dad is asking me to do this uh, because if i don't do this in this way this is what is going to happen to me so if we get that idea the chances of we listening to them uh, was higher rather than the other way around i hope uh, i i got the message across so it's the sort of the same message that you need to get these patients on board and educate them in a way that they do understand that uh, this guy is uh, asking me to not to take these medications uh, not because uh, he does want me to suffer silently the, this is what is going to happen to me if i do things uh, not according to the way that uh, he is asking me to do you can replace he with she uh, the of course so the the, the that's the sort of other key part uh, I know it's a long answer but I hope I covered uh, this very important question so it is very important to get migraine patients on board you need to educate them as best as you can that's why I tell them that you need to know about uh, headaches uh, just as uh, I know about them that's the only way that we are going to work together to minimize the impact of uh, this uh, on you and medication overuse headache uh, is a problem and the only way that we can tackle this problem is educating them well and then use these medications uh, cautiously and appropriately and knowing the the beast nature of them mm, yeah thank you very much for that in-depth answer so um i guess that um really does illustrate the importance of um the education and the knowledge component of understanding migraines so how can medical students get involved um in migraine advocacy I think this is a, this is a great question also James again let me let me the the pose this question in a in a slightly different way all of you came to medicine because you want to improve general health of the people that you will be looking after right that's why you came to medicine whatever the career path that you want to choose and i have already told you a disorder that is affecting uh, at least uh, two thirds of the world population these are individual patients when you realize that they are part of a family they are part of the society the impact of this uh, close to 3 billion number is probably not uh, very different from uh, at least uh, 70 to 80% of the world population if not the the, the whole world so therefore the first task is uh, we must get involved now i'll come back to you how how can medical students get involved i think the amount of headache medicine education that i got in my medical school was like probably one lecture for the whole course of the medical school and then during my physician training and neurology training which is basically primarily interested in brain the whole headache medicine training that i got out of that is two lectures by 
one of the neurology professors uh, in Sydney who came to one of the advanced trainee weekends. That's all that we got. So then uh, the rest of the other things, uh, I did a master's uh, in headache medicine uh, in collaboration with International Headache Society. And then I learned around patients. I joined International Headache Society. As you know, I built the Migraine Foundation. Uh, I edited a couple of uh, migraine newsletters, uh, uh, wrote a multitude of research papers. Uh, so that, that, that was my journey into headache medicine. So the, 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 the way that medical students get involved is, uh, the, there are multiple ways that you can get involved. You can become members of uh, Migraine Foundation and become advocates and the, the, the get yourself involved in various projects, uh, take part in our annual symposia, uh, take part uh, on workshops, uh, uh, take part on research programs. Uh, so again, you get your hands dirty and learn along the way. The second way to do that is uh, taking part in other activities uh, uh, with uh, organizations such as World Federation Neurology. We have a special section for medical students and young neurologists. Uh, and uh, then International Headache Society, then uh, uh, American Headache Society, Australia, New Zealand Headache Society, uh, Asian uh, Regional Headache Consortium. So you have multitude of multitude of opportunities to get involved. Another sort of game-changing world, first things that our medical students uh, can do, given that uh, you represent uh, Melbourne University, uh, one of the best universities uh, in the world, and certainly the best in Australia, you could uh, convene a migraine, the, the migraine and headache education evening or morning. This can be done virtually. And uh, the, you could uh, invite uh, fellow students to present uh, or revive. You could get uh, the guest lecturers uh, either from Australia, overseas, and I'm very happy to uh, the, 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 the help uh, the connecting the dots. And then the advocating for, for better care, better research, and better opportunities. Last but not least, uh, we all talk about uh, uh, mental health uh, and issues uh, related to this. Uh, we, we all have complaints uh, against society, complaints about the way that this world uh, run. If you pause for a while, uh, where does uh, all this human behavior come from? They don't come from uh, your knee joint or foot or your thumb or your nose or tongue or your endocrine system or your cardiovascular system, or your respiratory system. They come from your brain. And this is a disorder that is uh, affecting uh, way too many people worldwide, so there's no shortage of patients. And the, the interesting thing about migraine is it is also linked or related to all other disorders that are known to mankind. There is a comorbidity or comorbid association with many other disorders. So if you are curious and interested in knowing more and doing more and leaving a better world when our time to leave this planet than where we have started, I think this is the disorder to get involved. You really can't get bored. You really won't have any shortage of research questions. And you will have ample opportunity to do things. Obviously, you are probably hearing the same thing as I used to hear as a medical student, or you won't have a job, the, the, there, there won't be public appointments, there won't be this, there won't be that. I heard that all the time. 
but all what i'm seeing is uh, even if i train every single medical student everywhere in the world right now to become a neurologist uh, we still have too many problems to tackle so there i don't think there would be any shortage of those things but we have to create them by advocating for our patients and advocating for our colleagues so advocacy is a key thing uh, the the problem the thing with advocacy is uh, there are certain things in in life uh, that you can read and learn and make use of them say for an example reading a poetry book or or watching a movie or reading a, reading your favorite book whereas there are certain things that the only way that they become meaningful is just by doing them as i said if you take driving for an example you we can we, you can you can you can master the car engine and all the driving rules and everything else even if you are a real master even with the phd on that uh, unless you have actually driven a car and practice uh, that uh, as a practitioner you won't be driving a car it's the same with advocacy we can talk a lot uh, unless we do things uh, things won't happen and uh, i i i warmly invite uh, all of you to join us uh, and work with us uh, and and make a better world uh, for everybody and it 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 will be a fabulous journey so the, there are, i think i gave you multiple tips uh, how medical students get can get involved uh, and uh, the the build build a better future for our patients uh, and your careers uh, and future of better brain health also and the, the another thing that is actually coming up very closely is uh, the world brain day uh, i think we are going to talk about that uh, in depth uh, uh, on a, on a on a separate talk later on if time permits uh, but i would use this opportunity to encourage medical students to google world brain day uh, you would see the toolkit uh, and uh, the we, we select a particular theme and uh, give uh, you ample opportunities ample opportunities to get involved so those are some of the ways that uh, you can get involved and those are definitely very good opportunities for medical students to learn more about um all these conditions and i guess the paths in neurology So that's probably all the time that we have for um today. Uh, I would like to once again thank Professor Tissa for taking time out of his busy schedule to have a chat with us today. And yeah, thank you very much. It's a pleasure James uh, as I said at the beginning. You all are our future. Uh, the we are actually a vanishing group of bunch. Uh, we are getting older. You are also getting older, but you have more time in front of you than the time that we have in front of us. Uh, therefore the future of uh, neurology and future of uh, brain health and future of uh, humanity uh, lies uh, in front of you and the, the the my last message is uh, i know that medicine is a competitive field but if you really want to be a competitive competitor guess what the best competition is uh, working together and and collaboration my my motto is uh, the real great competitors are the real great uh, collaborators uh, collaboration is the key competition is not about competing with each others competition is about uh, genuine collaboration to leave a better world uh, when our time comes and then enjoying the journey while doing so so it is my pleasure to be with you all and again my sincere gratitude to this very important work yes thank you very much professor tissa all the best uh, james Thank you.